0: Welcome to Business and Arts South Africa's debut online podcast titled Dismantling Digital Inequalities, hosted by Boitumelo Tumi Motsuatu, Head of Programs at Business and Arts South Africa.
1: Hello, and a warm welcome to the VASA podcast, the very first one under the debut program as part of our lead up campaign to the debut online happening from the 15th to the 19th of November. My name is Tumi Wutawai. I'm currently the Head of Programs at Business and Arts South Africa, and I will be your facilitator for today's conversation. Now, for those of you who don't know what the Davy program is, this is a program that transfers enterprise development skills to artists from all nine provinces through an intensive program that aims to offer young emerging artists from rural and peri-urban areas, tools, resources, mentorship, and support um, for them to leverage off of their artistic talents um, to you know, set up their own organizations or companies and also to leverage off of their value. Now this year, um, we have been um, conducting the second phase of the debut program. We started last year with the Kickstarter phase and in, you know, 2021, we launched the Llananisa phase as well. And all of our programs and all of our phases have taken place online um, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, um, which compelled us to offer something more leaner, more agile, um, but obviously posed um, some interesting challenges because as we know, many young artists across South Africa, um, especially in rural and peri-urban areas, have been struggling to really um, keep up with the pace of uh, the digital platforms and um, skills and infrastructure forming some barriers around ways in which they can meaningfully participate in some of these opportunities. Now, today we've got um, four very interesting speakers and our title of the podcast is Dismantling Digital Inequalities. We've got Jane Mpolo, who is a co-director, artist and former uh, provincial Liaison and amb- Ambassador of the Program. We've got Rucera Sitho, uh, who is the Artistic Director of uh, the National Arts Festival. We've also got our newly appointed board member, Ngadingi, who is also a brand builder and co-founder of, sorry, founder of Mint Creative Co. And finally, we've got Mimi uh, Mashinini, who is a Law Graduate Content Developer and Strategic Partnerships Manager at now, before we get into the topic of dismantling digital inequalities, I'd like each of our speakers to kind of share um, some reflections or observations from your own individual work um, in the past year or so. Um, what have been some of the trends or emerging observations from how creatives, particularly in South Africa, are engaging or not engaging um, in the digital space. Maybe let's start with you, Jane. As a theater maker, somebody working in the free state, what does this look like um, in your kind of corner of the world? Um, thank you, To me, Just a
2: correction there. I'm a co-director at Book Collective, because now it sounded like I'm co-director at debut program. Um, yo, it's been quite interesting. I have to say, a lot of artists are really depressed, uh, because, I mean, for us, it's very different doing theatre, and now, all of a sudden, you are forced to go into the digital space. So, a lot of them have given up, but there's also some that are coming up and... Yo, being more creative than ever. So there's a bit of both, um, in the free state. Uh, It's mostly people who are willing to do, but like you know, we can we're we're gonna get into this later on. resources. Resources are the main problem. Um, but yeah, I think people are kind of warming up to it. At the beginning of the pandemic, we were all like, no, we want theatre and nothing feels um, the same. Like, you know, um we just want theatre and nothing else. But now we're like, oh, okay, digital isn't so bad after all. So yeah, we're kind of warming up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, so something there around depression and mental health issues, but also um, resources, conversations about where to source resources and demystifying digital, or rather changing our perception around um, whether digital is an opportunity, a disruptor, um, or even a catalyst. But Sarah, let's bring you into the conversation, somebody who's been instrumental in the development of the virtual um, National Arts Festival. I know that in some of the conversations we, we have been speaking about infrastructure and really making sure, already trying to ensure that as many artists are able to participate um, in the virtual space. What does that look like um, in, your, in your experience? Is there a change from 2020 uh, versus to 2021?
3: Yes, thanks to me for for having me here. And uh, yeah, as you introduced, I've been the artistic director at the National Arts Festival for two years. So I started in January 2020, really at the cusp of of this pandemic period. So it has been um, from the get go, my engagement with NAF and the experiences and direction of NAF have have very centrally been dealing with these kind of questions of um, this new digital uh landscape and how the arts uh engages with it and how we we as a festival facilitate engagement and 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 uh, connection to art, both for artists and their own producing and presenting as well as for audience and of course it's been it's been trial by fire it's been a lot of experimentation and seeing where some things work and some things don't i mean i think off the bat i could just say you know i i totally agree uh connect with what with what jane was saying in terms of it being uh, very um demanding and um difficult for 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 artists and for the sector um uh, but at the same time the sector of course itself is is full of innovative and creative people so there if any sector is suited in some way to kind of respond to uh, this kind of immediate and and far-reaching change uh, uh, for, for itself the art sector and artists have so and but but of course not equally so some artists have 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 kind of uh, immediately and swiftly risen to the challenge and explored and, and 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 found ways to reconceptualize renegotiate how they how they present their work online reconstruct what kind of engagement with audience audience they can have a lot of their own processes informed the national Arts festival in terms of how we then construct our platform because uh, you know it, it's, it's, a, it's a, a brand new way of doing things um at the same time you know so the, the, the questions of, of how we connect with with diverse audiences the, the, you know many of them still exist and uh, so we of course we have to deal with this in in the in the 2020 edition of the National Arts Festival, which was which was a totally digital or virtual festival. And and some of those questions we're still we're, we're still dealing with them and um you know for some ways to to uh to, to, and, and tried various pro- projects and approaches. And then some some sometimes we have some interesting results and, and other times we keep we keep pushing on.
1: Interesting, I, I particularly like the point around um, the festival really customizing its platforms and strategies in line with what the artists themselves uh, are looking for or rather innovating around. Um, so Mickey, let's bring you into the room as well. You, you work um, in the digital space. And I remember that earlier in the year you had conducted a, a masterclass for some of our participants around the web and really leveraging the online space. What is it um, in your experience that you found um, a lot of artists are struggling with or are finding um, difficult or intimidating? And how have you as Min Creative Co um, really overcome or found a space to share knowledge around ways in which they can maximize action or even capitalize on the digital um, revolution?
0: Um, so with with this question, I think the biggest difficulty with art um, as a whole, is that it's, it's quite an interactive industry, you know. So how many artists do you know where, you, where you've heard your friend say, have you ever seen this person perform live? Um, you know, there's some people whose albums you might not necessarily listen to, but the concept just changes the entire experience. Even if we're talking about things like painting, you know, like th- there's something about going through a gallery and looking at, paintings and things like that you know so so there's a lot that the digital can't give you that you need for for art so for a lot of musicians you know the concerts went went there um, especially in a streaming age where album sales are not a thing anymore um you know so from a financial perspective you think musicians you think galleries had to shut down so now galleries had to then adapt to how do they sell online but You know, there's a painting or a a sculpture um, is more than what you see on a picture. There's so much there's texture and all those things. Um, I think what we're doing right now, what we're seeing right now, even as Min Creative Co, uh, is a transition to a comfortability of people um interacting with art from a digital perspective so if you think back to back in the day when when people when we used to buy records um and then the iPod came out right it did feel a bit unnatural to not have a physical cassette or a CD or a record to some point until it got natural to have it on like one device. And then it got natural to like, it started feeling natural to even have singles on one device. And now like, you know, paying a subscription a month and not even paying for the thing um, is natural. So I think more than anything, what the pandemic did is that it forced us to like really quickly fast track something which, over time, would have probably naturally happened um, of us getting comfortable with with interacting with art from a digital perspective. Am I prepared to pay for a ticket to watch a concert online? You know, in right now, it might still feel like a mm, hundred grand. You know, um, but maybe give it time. So, so more than anything, I also think that uh, a lot of people in the tech space as well are responding with like products to facilitate this. So for artists right now, it's probably like a little dry period because innovation kind of like needs to just catch up to this. But then I think once it does catch up, everybody will jump onto the next thing, you know. Um, we don't know if the next subscription is for online concerts, um, you know, with virtual goggles where you feel like you're there and that's the next big thing. So more than anything, I think f- what I've seen is that it's just a waiting game. It's just that it sucks to wait, though, you know, especially in the midst of chaos. It's it's much easier to wait while while what you're transitioning from is still working and unfortunately i think that's just been the biggest frustration and that's what i've just picked up that that waiting period is quite frustrating for a lot of artists
1: thank you mimi do you agree that there's been a waiting period i know that digify africa has been doing a lot of work around digital skills training in south africa you know it's been a couple of years that you've been doing this type of work what are what are some of the the developments that you're seeing let's say from 2000 and 2010 to 2021, I know that last year we partnered with Digify Africa to offer a program called Digital Creatives and everybody was like, yes, 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 this is the thing that we've been waiting for. Um, what are some of the things that are coming up from your programs? Are people excited? Is it something that people are finding valuable? And um, what are the barriers also to um, really understanding the power and the value? of a digital in their own processes, particularly for the creative sector.
4: Thank you. Thank you, Dumi. So from an education point of view, our observation has been that most um, artists see themselves as, as, as freelancers, but never So at Digify, because our um, programs are partly um, freelancers into business people and also teaching those digital skills. The main gap was most artists are on social media but are not monetizing. So they have the content. uh, However, they don't know where, how, and when to, to sort of direct it. So what we did with digital creatives is sort of make them understand uh, how to maximize on what they're already doing, um, get, and get paid for it. You, when you spoke of barriers, the one thing I thought of was obviously making money. Most of them, uh, when, when we present opportunities, you find that if it's online, they can't even get to a point where they can afford data if they haven't been working for some. So that was really, really like a barrier on our side. How do we actually reach um, artists or even young people looking into or getting into business and getting digital in? Uh, everybody has an idea of what digital is, but we found that that idea when they left with a deeper understanding. There was really a difference being out there as an artist, having uh, um, doing your with a few people knowing about it is so different once you've put it um, on 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 social media or on digital platforms you you, you now do not look to creating uh, being a creative that serves other platforms but have an opportunity to grow into a business that actually is that platform. So instead of waiting for you to have your 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 production uh bought by uh, a, a, a an SAPC for instance or an Mnet for instance you can become that Mnet you can become that DSTV that Netflix. So it was beautiful to see that uh exposure and artists coming to alive to the prospects of what digital can present to them.
1: Sure. Thank you for that. And and you make a good point that we, we as artists, there is that need for us to actually see the value of the digital spaces beyond just from a sharing of value or exchanging mm. um, a value with our audiences, but really around monetization and setting up our businesses um, online as well. Jane, do you feel that this is this is possible? Do you feel like beyond the financing and um, just the confidence around the digital space? And you also mentioned the issue of um, mental health issues. Are these the only barriers? Is there anything else we're not covering um, or thinking about or something that we're potentially not really paying attention to?
2: Yeah, um thank you for asking that. Well, <laughs> digital is the way to go, né? Um and I'm saying that because I've realized that with myself as well, um ever since the pandemic I've been able to collaborate with a lot of people from all over the world, you know, something that um I didn't think would be at the palm of my hands. Um before the pandemic. However, there are so many obstacles that, unfortunately, other people cannot even um, attempt to move. And I'm talking about people who are really less privileged, like people from the rural areas. We are talking about Wi-Fi. So, for example, now um, my shows are on Freyfears, which is an online platform. If I were to even buy a ticket for somebody who is in the rural area, like where are they even going to get data to stream that event, you know? Um, you are meeting them halfway, but there's also other obstacles as well. And people are really reluctant to even buy t- tickets online because of all the fraud going on, you know. Um, in order for me to, to, to make my my shows a bit of a success, I had to, like, go the extra mile and tell people that, okay, if you're uncomfortable um, buying online, I can do it for you and you can give me the money. Like, there's always those things. And, who. And also, you you must also remember that um, you want to do it once and you want to do it right. Sometimes you have a great concept, but you don't have the equipment to do that. Your phone is not even smart enough to do that. Um, you know, like... In the era of just doing live theater, you could only maybe um, stress about is Peckoff going to give me space. Now you have to stress about where am I going to shoot this? How much is it going to charge? Like how how much is the location I'm um, going to be making? Films or digital digital content that is of high quality is really expensive. Um, it's really expensive. You have to now think of the editors. You have to think of people for continuity. Like there's there's a huge team. Whereas in theater, you only had to think of oh, I need an SM, I need a director, and then everything else will like basically fall into place. So. I think we still have a long way to go especially in terms of the rural areas because i mean even during the capacity building programs that we did on theater people didn't even know what a theater looks like they didn't even know what lights look like and now you're throwing in this whole film thing um and you must also remember like you can't just take uh, a theatrical piece and put it on film and expect people to have the same reaction or to, to relate to it the same way now you have to think of oh my goodness which um film um, what things can I take from film that will make this like a bit of a collaboration between theater and film so that the theater goers will feel like, oh, yes, 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 I'm fulfilled. And then the film lovers will also. So like there's a lot It's very complex. It's extremely complex and extremely expensive. So as much as, yes, it does open up that space, I think we still have a long way to go. And data oh, data is expensive. Data is extremely expensive. So there's a lot of challenges. But I think as well, we have to get to our, um, ourselves to that point of, you know what? Um, I'm a creative and i don't want to do anything else this has to work so what are the sacrifices that i have to do who am i going to collaborate with and i'm going to just um i'm almost done um with the short film that i just did now i had no money but i knew i wanted to do it and so i approached a couple of friends and i'm like okay guys this is how much i need um this is how much percentage of ticket sales i can give you whatever whatever are you in and i'm i'm telling you within two minutes i had raised that money but then shooting the film i realized that oh my goodness i actually need twice the budget so you know like it's it's a never-ending thing but at the end of the day it worked because my mind my heart my soul was in the right place and everything just fell into place people giving up their skills for free and not expecting anything to in return like if you have that drive then definitely it will happen collaboration is what we need more than ever now yes and i'm done (laughs)
1: thank you so much and congratulations on raising um that money in two minutes you said you know um you speak a lot about also you know, equipment, the confidence, the, the networks, the, the desire as well, you know, and the sacrifices that some of us are going to have to make in order for us to be able to uh, meaningfully participate and even access uh, this digital space. But so according to Andani Africans Digital Skills Check, which reflects a report that was done in 2008, It reported that 4.8% of South Africans um, households had working internet connection and only 44% mentioned that they had not engaged in any digital literacy training before. So I wanted to bring Mimi into the room. Has, have these numbers changed? Um, Are people, you know, has there been an increase in access to connectivity? Um, When you do offer support to your, your trainees, beyond data, what else do you need to consider? Thank you, Dumi. Um,
4: there hasn't been like a significant change in those numbers, but we have seen uh, a lot of people migrate to more LTE-like urine. And also in the, in the uh, educational space, we have been partnering with, with internet uh, providers to, to give us zero rated platforms. So a lot of, of um, learning institutions use platforms that don't charge data. So which has made it uh, really, really easy for educational programs to run. However, when it comes to creating content, nothing has changed at all. We've seen the likes of your telecoms creating maybe um, your WhatsApp data that will be cheaper. We've seen everyone uh, cutting down maybe by 20 rand, So you find that a gig is cheaper than it was now. Uh, It's cheaper now than it was in 2020. So that is, the change is, is really, really slow. It's happening. And I think the more demand for content on, online, the more um, the Department of Communications will be required to, to make sure that it regulates cheaper data. So it's nothing that's happening now, something that we're definitely hoping for in the future.
1: Thank you, Sarah. Let's um, get your opinion on that. Right, you had spoken about um, the artists being able to participate in the virtual space, but also audiences. I know that in person, um, the 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 Makanda Festival has always been something exciting, something that connected communities, that also um, contributed to the local economy as well. What new? What new? Um, benefits or value has the virtual space kind of introduced? Um, are there new publics that you've been able to access, new audiences that you're able to access? And in terms of just even consumption of the content, who are you finding is really enjoying um, this experience?
3: There's very important questions in there, and I think you know we did we did we did the virtual festival in 2020, so it was entirely conceived as conceived of as a digital festival, and so artists made work specifically for um, a digital platform. And in 2021, we put t- together a festival which we intended as a live festival, so we produced a live festival, and then ten days before festival, we had lockdown, and so we shifted to an online online. So there was. Two quite different approaches, and I think many things kind of went into that and came off of it, which is which which can help to reflect on 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 your question in terms of you know the 2020 festival, which was uh, from its its, its uh, conception and and how it panned out as a virtual festival. This was something that we that we really um, sat with and reflected on quite a bit after the, after the festival is that there wasn't very many opportunities for engagement with the local Makanda community in terms in the way that the festival had done before. So the festival, or well, you know, it, it we make use of 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 venues and and halls, you know, for live work. We would have. Um, had uh, artists and guests and audience coming in into into um, accommodations and restaurants. And we would have employed many people who are locals in terms of kind of uh, ticketing or front of house staff or, you know, in, in the technical department. And so none of that was possible, which was quite heartbreaking in the 2020 festival. And this was um, besides, of course, Many other artistic and technical reasons to reconsider a a live festival in 2021. This was, you know, the 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 relationship of the festival with the actual town, and particularly from an economic perspective, was really pivotal in us saying, no, we're going to really try to do live, Um, and and though so you know what ended up happening then was kind of interesting some of it planned some of it not necessarily but in you know we we had by that stage many artists who were or i mean our program was set so you know flights were booked and artists were kind of were coming and what we had to do was was basically close off to audience but we continued to produce the festival and we moved to live stream um all the live the live work so it, it was it was uh, in some it was interesting and in some ways a kind of uncomfortable marriage. But we ended up you know we did then work with with um, various uh, sectors of the Makanda um, community, um, local populations, business, and we engaged with them to produce content but of course we produced it for a digital platform so in this sense we um we also managed to to continue to 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 have a festival and to have works in in the in in, within a context of covid restrictions and i mean what's another i suppose interesting point and and connecting to another part of your question is when we look at our audience percent figures we had about so in terms of audience on digital platforms across both festivals. We had about 70% of our audience local and 30% um, international. And I think in 2020, it was a little bit more. It was also the first, you know, it was all quite fresh and new, a kind of digital festival. <laughs> I think there, was a, there was maybe a lot more interest and curiosity. Um, and I suppose also interesting to say, something that stays with me is that many, many in the first year that we did digital in 2020, many of the Ticketing, the ticketing option that was was quite successful was the full festival pass. So we sold individual tickets to, to, to particular shows, but we also sold a kind of pass that allows one to access uh, the con at any content at any time during the course of the festival. That for me is a kind of there's a there's a there's a that's an acknowledgement of a of a trust and a curiosity and a willingness to try something new, that had decreased a bit by the time we got to 2021. So it shows also a bit of a shift in terms of, I think, uh, audiences engagement or maybe even just let's say that the novelty is not really there there so much. But I think that there's a lot to you know, in terms of moving forward there's many questions and I, but i what what i think about in 2020 we said okay totally online 2021 we said okay we're doing this um live and I, and and what's what's ki- what's kind of an obvious outcome is that really we are we are in digital regardless of how we how we you know feel about it and we feel about it in different ways at different times i think you was speaking about this but that they're really in terms of hybrid approaches and that's hybrid approaches to making hybrid approaches to presenting, hybrid approaches to consuming, all. I think this is where we're at and really what we need to to consider moving forward. There's two more things I want to say very quickly. The other interesting thing that came out of the 2020 festival was that just over 50% of our users accessed our festival content using smartphones. Now, that's quite a significant thing to think about, especially if you are, say, a maker And you're kind of coming from this sense of creating a work for a stage with an audience kind of set back and the depth of stage. And now to imagine your work, you know, however you've kind of translated it or reinterpreted mm-hmm. it for screen is being watched in this kind of small screen space. Mm-hmm. So I think as we progress, we begin to, you know, we begin to see how people are making work. How people are experiencing it, and and these two positions uh, affect each other, you know. As we continue to determine where this is kind of going to, and what are the right decisions moving ahead.
1: Well, those are such interesting insights. Um, I wish we had uh, ten or fifteen more minutes to really um, delve deeper in those opportunities. And Samik, so maybe let's hear from your from your perspective. You know, here's and She's saying the festival, you know, has been innovating, and
0: um, I I do think it's 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 a a few things to consider um and everyone kind of like almost needs to get onto the same page so for the producer or for whoever it is that's producing the content or the festival or any kind of art i think one of the things we all have to consciously do is produce with the intent of the device that it will be consumed on and i think sometimes there's a mismatch there because when you're creating you almost want to create in the manner in which you want it to be consumed but you have to be very conscious and deliberate about the manner in which it's most likely to be consumed so let's say you want to do it for youtube but we know that data and youtube maybe don't go hand in hand but we do know that people tend to share a lot on whatsapp then perhaps think of creating more WhatsApp shareable content as opposed to like something that you might want to stream on YouTube. Um, I think the more the the more we we think of the challenges that the consumer will have, the more as producers we then adapt to that. One of the things that uh, Jane had mentioned as well when she was speaking was that you know creatives often have this perfectionism thing that they struggle with, right? Where um there might be a gap in in terms of your resources and what you want to create um and what i've learned uh from experience is just that you know you almost have to do what you can with what you have because you'd also be very surprised that there's a con- there's a consumer for everything right it's like there's a reason why um, there are multiple like there's a reason why there's a shop right and there's a reason why there's a Woolworths because two different kinds of people need two different kinds of experiences um, and what you've seen a lot especially from the rural areas and, and that's one thing that I love about like the debut pro program is that like it's aimed at township and rural areas um, what you've seen a lot from a lot of rural areas especially like in KZN and stuff they're producing like these short form skits that go viral on on um on 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 social media which otherwise would never have a chance anywhere else um and the these things mostly are created on smartphones for smartphones so maybe the big thing for us like a lot of us especially like if you're in the city or something is just to always keep that in mind that as you innovate innovate for the infrastructure that the 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 consumer has you know like if your country if you live in a town that has gravel roads you don't buy a sports car right so it's like the same kind of thing just innovate for what the average South African is using which is most likely not a laptop with a lot of data etc cetera, etc cetera. and then just to finish off is that you also have to consider that you also wouldn't want to produce something that costs you a million Rand, but because I'm viewing it on the cheapest smartphone that I had, my experience is a hundred thousand Rand budget. Um, like don't don't overcompensate for something that's not gonna be watched in HD, you know? Um, yeah, I think just keep it like your consumer in mind as you innovate and you're more likely to innovate better for them.
1: Thank you, Mr. Mickey. Uh, Sarah? Thanks to me.
3: I mean, we're all involved in content creation and content presentation in some ways, and some of us, then also considering things like education and things like uh, diverse access to to some of the the kind of skills or workshops or training we're providing or the the work content that we are providing. I don't. I think then it really makes sense that in terms of responsibility, we take some responsibility in thinking about how do we extend the program, extend the reach. Of, of what it is we're doing, we did a trial project at the beginning of um, uh, during the course of 2021 called the Future Art Program. It isn't. It's like an. Evol- it's kind of a process uh, from what used to be the regional schools festival, which was very much based on live work, to um, this a kind of new approach. And what we did to kind of summarize is we we created a set of workshops in partnership with the Market Theatre Lab, where we worked with. Quite uh, with established artists who put together one-hour workshops that one could uh, a digital in a, in digital format that young people could um, could access and and it was a pro- progressively go through say sound design um, characterization etc cetera, etc cetera, including filming and and editing to an end point where they would create a two-minute film uh, on. Uh, you know, encapsulating what they've learned. What we did, though, is we, we we created also something called a smart kit, which we which we trialed and we'll see where we take it. But it's 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 a fully contained box that is ready for for travel and, and kind of. But it it has all the hardware in it that is suitable for for downloading, uploading, and creating. So like a little camera, a little mic, um, a, a mini computer, etc. And it was hugely successful. We had schools who otherwise we had a school in who had something like 160 students. And what they did is they partnered with a, a a better resource school, let's say. And so, in I mean, Jane, you spoke about collaboration, but also in how we conceptualize our projects. You know, they collaborated to enable both both schools to support each other. And then through the conceptualization of Future Art Program, we included making the possibility to access and to produce in part of what we constructed. So I think this, this kind of thinking excites me, and this is a project I think we really wanted to develop further.
1: That definitely sounds exciting. Unfortunately, our time is up, um, and we're going to have to quickly, quickly wrap up. Mimi, one last word from your side. Whose responsibility is it?
4: It is our responsibility. It's the responsibility of the artist. We have to be accepting of change and be disruptive and make sure that we reduce those data costs and learn.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you to Meki. thank you to Rosera, thank you to Jane, it's been a great um, and insightful conversation. And I think a part one, um, it feels like that we only just touched on the surface and that there's quite a lot of other um, key considerations, topics underlying this major, major topic around dismantling digital um, uh, inequalities in South Africa. I've really enjoyed this conversation and I think there are some key action points that one can take from this that we will apply, um, of course, the BASA programs but particularly in the debut program as well thank you to all our guests thank you to our organizers and I hope to see all of you at the debut online happening from the 15th to the 19th of November where we will be showcasing and launching 120 young creative entrepreneurs who are really doing amazing work thank you and see you next time